Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do is we continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. How overdue is this conversation? Ken Bremer used to be like, you know, reliable uh, at at my beck and call radio-wise. And now... (laughs) I have to submit a six-month-ahead-of-time request to her people to say, hey, on April 13th, 2023, Kim Bremer, could you give me 45 minutes of your time? (laughs) Trent, I think you're being dramatic, but it's great to be on again. Oh, my goodness. You've been missed. (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) This never works out. And I, well, I got to see Kim last April because she came to Nebraska for a 30 by 30 meeting awareness meeting. And um, the other day I am going to Albert Lee, Minnesota. Lo and behold, we, she's going to Kansas. We crossed, got to sit and have a cup of, well, I had coffee. You didn't have coffee, (laughs) but that just never happened. That was a random luck. It was random luck that we would be on the same highway going opposite directions. And we could, we could get off on an exit and have a coffee. It's been too long, Trent. And give me cheese. Yes, I did give you cheese. That's oh true. my goodness, that cheese you gave me! I, I just got to say, I have a lot of cheese, and I mean, people give me cheese. I, I just really appreciate it. But Marika, that woman knows how to make cheese. <laughs> well, you're not the only one who agrees. She's one of our most <laughs> decorated cheese makers in my state. Now, remember, I'm a cheese head from Wisconsin. We're the only state that requires. A cheese making license. And uh, yeah, Marika is in Thorpe, Wisconsin. I can give a little plug. She is one of our most decorated cheese makers, as you well can testify to. So I didn't even know what the heck you were telling me was in this cheese. And then I tasted it and it's like, am I eating uh, little bits of ammunition? Is this gunpowder in here? <laughs> And it was fantastic. I don't know what the, and Kelly said uh, something to the effect that I don't know who would have ever thought that put what's it called? Burning nettles. It's burning yeah. nettles in Gouda. Yeah. Who would have ever put burning nettles in Gouda? I know. But, but it's amazing. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, happy so, happy to share with you and Kelly. Thank anytime. You. Well, had I known, I would have had a little some pork treats for you. But well, I, you're always you're always uh, hauling something. The least I you know. could do is the least you could do is put some put some products in. You're hauling live animals, but I, I don't understand why you can't just all <laughs> the the entire. You should be the supply chain, Trent. I know. I am. I most of the time I do. That day I just didn't. So, what have you been up to anyway? Oh. <sighs> Nothing. <laughs> you Let got beat see. in what? your school board election. Let's start with that. I did get beat in my school the board election. Gets beat in the school board election, which means she was going to make stuff happen. Well, it is what happens sometimes when you shake the boat a little bit. So it's okay. It was it was close and uh, it was fun while it lasted. So you were four years on the school board. Yeah, it's a three-year term. Three-year term. 
How, mm-hmm. how do you summarize three years on a school board? What was it like what you expected? Uh, it's painful. I think that's the best word. And I'm sure there's listeners driving right now, listening to you nodding their heads. Yeah. But it's one of those things, you know, if not you, then who? So uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I learned a lot about school funding and how ridiculous it is. And, oh, I'm a fixer, Trent. And I'm not even sure that I could fix that at the state and federal levels. But it is it is ridiculous. And our our schools get penalized for not having any debt when it comes to funding and they get penalized for not spending money. It's just it's like the exact opposite of running a business. So it is no surprise that it's messy. So uh, I got to say that I don't think anybody that has not been involved has the proper appreciation for what it takes to be a school board member, the commitment uh, the and the awareness. So until I really started honing in on what was going on, and I get in this argument with Andrew all the time because I talk about the school board being right there with county commissioners and the sheriff, most important three tasks that we have as American citizens. And what's happening at the school board meeting means more to my ability to maintain a business in this county than what happens in Washington, D.C., and and Andrew can't grasp that because if you don't live in the U.S., you don't just don't understand the, the structure. But Kim, people that live in the U.S. don't understand that either because you're controlling what my tax base is really going to be. And and what you just said is huge. You have these mandates that you fund fund certain things and spend more money, which requires to increase the ask. And all of this has more of an impact on the businesses and the families' survivability in that county than any other entity. And if you disagree with me, I want to hear it, but people don't know. No, no, they, they don't know. And when your community loses a school and there's examples of this everywhere across rural America, it really affects your community, your ability to recruit and retain uh, workers and your local businesses. I mean, your school, especially in rural areas, is really central to your community. But it is, it is no easy task. That, that's for sure. And it's really unfortunate how, you know, the, the regulatory framework around our educational system is really, has really crippled it. You know, it's, it's difficult to let teachers teach. There's so many things and requirements that they have to meet that have come as strings along the way. And it's, it is unfortunate. And we all see it. I mean, as parents, I don't think anyone would disagree. And it's just how to, uh, how to turn it around. I'm not so sure, but, but you have to keep trying and it just, it's one person at a time. And school boards too are interesting because, uh, you really, it, you get out of it what you put into it. You have to do your homework and you have to take the initiative to kind of learn the game. Mm-hmm. And you can be a school board member and not do that. Uh, you can go to meetings and you can just agree. Uh, you can agree with everything and pass anything that comes to you and make your meetings short and carry on. Or you can dig in and really learn how it works. But it really takes the initiative to do that. And you're going to ruffle people along the way. Which brings us back to where we started. This would be why Kim Bremer was not reelected for her school board term. 
because the superintendent is of the frame of mind that if I just get these school board members to go along with me, don't do the research, don't be a critical thinker, I got them. And that happens maybe not every single time, but I see it happening far too often. Yeah, and I think that we could say that around uh, a lot of maybe local kind of boards. It's not an easy task to sit on your county board or your town board or your village board. It's it's kind of the same framework. And but we really need we really need people to step up and do it because you're absolutely right, Trent. A lot of decisions get made at that local level that affect your livelihood and uh, your business, your farm, your ranch. It's it's so important to to be there, even though it takes time and it's a thankless job, but you need to do it. Uh, one other thing that I want to know about that, and we'll leave school boards uh, after this segment. We, we know that there is pressure to do something other than reading, writing, arithmetic, and history. Indoctrination and child grooming is a large part of what is the pressure from the federal government and from the states to uh, to incorporate into the educational system as a school board member, did you feel like you had access to the curriculum and 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 an input into how it went forward? Well, I think I I felt like I had access to curriculum, but again, it comes down to how much time you can devote to it. Uh, we we don't have uh, the problems that we see in other areas, some rural, but a lot of urban areas with more of the indoctrination, but it is amazing how just little messages are woven in everywhere uh, from simple things from, uh, for example, a scholastic article that goes to all elementary, I think it's fourth or fifth graders across the United States. There might be an article in there about uh, the climate and, you know, there, there may be just a few sentences about how you should probably eat less meat because, Mm-hmm. That would be more responsible eating, you know, to fourth graders, uh, for example, those kinds of things. I mean, that kind of stuff is everywhere. Uh, and there's, there's, I think there's definitely different degrees of what's happening. But I also think parents have become more aware and are more um, adamant about knowing what kids are learning and trying to get into the schools and having access. I never had that issue, but I live in a really rural area. So I would think that maybe that helped. But even new reading programs, uh, things that come from the state level, you start looking at some of the books uh, that students can choose to read, and you think, hmm, how did that book get chosen kind of a thing. Lignite Energy continuing to keep the lights on so that Kim and I can have this conversation. Go to Lignite.com to get full details about how Lignite powers life. We're back with more Kim Brimmer. Roll route. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Lewis alongside Kim Brimmer. Well, not really totally alongside. She's in Wisconsin. I'm in Nebraska. And we, we exhausted the school board discussion. What I, I interrupted you when I asked you, what have you been up to anyway? So I'll start over and not interrupt. Oh, as always, Trent, fun projects, uh, working with farmers, advocating at the Capitol. We have a new session, uh, going to a lot of of town board meetings, (laughs) just the normal fun fights. What is the the Wisconsin legislative session? How long? Oh, they're in session now. It will last a while. Um, 
There's a lot of interesting things, though, going on in the state. Uh, obviously, the Supreme Court election didn't go how many of us in rural Wisconsin would have hoped. Um, so we'll be stuck with that for a little bit. Uh, our, our state Supreme Court shifted to uh, majority progressive, we would say, progressives. So I suspect that there will there will be a, a lot of trying to redo some things that have been done in the last five or six years. So that won't be very exciting, but right now a lot of, a lot of what's going on, lots of local fights. Uh, One thing that has become very apparent to me, particularly in the past two years is that, and this really fits into how you started this talk, Trent talking about school boards. Um, Environmental activists have really done a great job over the past decade of getting a template in place and getting on our local boards. And they really uh, have positioned themselves to, um, to really do the work of their agenda. And it, it, we're always, it seems like we're always in catch up mode because of it. Uh, if I had a quarter for every time I've, I've had a farmer call me, uh, in the past year, year and a half to say, oh, can they really do this? And unfortunately, a lot of the time, the answer is yes, uh, because we've, we have always supported the local level of government and decisions being made at the local level, right, Trent? Uh, you're a huge supporter of that too. We don't want the federal government telling us what to do all the time. We don't even want our state government telling us what to do all the time. Uh, we want to be governed by our local level. But if you want to be governed by your local level, then you better get your you-know-what in the seat there because uh, other people have paid attention to that, and it makes for a long road. I, I think that we cannot shout that big enough because what you just said, I experience it on a daily basis. So now that we've figured out that all politics are local and that you have to really engage locally, like like you just said, I experience this daily. They, they, the people who do not want us to utilize our resources to the fullest extent, they who do not want us to utilize property rights as we see fit, they who want to be a part of the, the control mechanism, have beat us to the punch. And they have people infiltrated at every level. I'll just take a a, a broad example that nobody would think about. There, yesterday, we had a great discussion with J.C. Cole about the vulnerability of our power grid. And how many people know that there's only three power grids in the entire United States? I mean, all the power basically comes off of three grids. Well, in Nebraska, we're part of the, Nebraska, the Southwest Power Pool, which we are the Nebraska Public Power District, making up the Southwest Power Pool. And we kind of had a little shift in this and got it kind of got it fixed. But when we weren't paying attention... George Soros funded a majority into the uh, the board, the co-op board of the Nebraska. Let me, let me make sure that I'm, I'm saying this correctly. A George Soros nonprofit foundation provided campaign funds to five people to run for Nebraska Public Power District, and they won because they spent $100,000 each in a campaign that typically would spend $10,000 
And so they acquired a majority on the board, and we're talking about all these woke agendas and talking about net carbon zero and all of these other things because they realize that they need to infiltrate at the local level, and that is happening. You, you got a perfect example. You mentioned your uh, Wisconsin. I, by the way, I used your data yesterday on Across the Pond. Thank you for getting that to me. George, George Soros, he's not the only bad guy in the in the bunch, by the way, but he's the one everybody likes to pick on, everybody understands. Puts $1.25 million in your Supreme Court campaign for the, the, the progressive to win over the conservative you need to pay attention to who's infiltrating where and what and be in, in your butt in the seat. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, there's always an unintended consequence, uh, especially if you don't stay involved, uh, because I do support that we are governed at the local level. But oh, <laughs> the the activists have done a really great job in the most unlikely places. I mean, when when you think about Wisconsin and agriculture, I would hope most people would think dairy and cheese were the cheese heads. And I don't know if I owned cattle in Wisconsin, if I would be looking at a future here. And that's painful to say, but it's realistic because of that reason. I mean, we have areas in our state where there's operational ordinances that three-person local town boards have implemented that have things in them like uh, you can't be on the road after 5 p.m. or on weekends because there might be bikers or walkers on the rural roads. Or you can't have an odor that comes off of your farm that we deem uh, is offensive. And yeah, they're not, those types of things are not legal. And certainly there are some uh, in the court system right now. And we will hopefully beat them on this round. But what's the next thing? And we have a very adversarial uh, DNR under our current governor. Uh, and it's it makes it really tough to do business. You know, when I don't need to tell every, anyone listening on this show that when you're a farmer, there's so many things that are out of your control. So you're trying to manage your business in accordance with the weather and markets. There's only so much that you can do. And then add this this other layer on top of it. Uh, it, it makes you really question when you get up in the morning, what am I doing here? Yeah, I mean, when you start talking like this from a great resource-producing state, I mean, just look at Minnesota and Colorado, you know, two other examples of facing the same challenges day in and day out. Just to be, just to be able to take care of the resources of those states to produce what people need. Here, Here's the biggest thing at the end of the day. Kim, it's not like you're producing something that's going to create havoc and problems. People need food fiber and fuel and that's what we produce well and there my friend is the disconnect <laughs> well, well that's what uh, spend, that's why i can't get a hold of you anymore because you're so well entrenched in getting that disconnect connected <laughs> yes aren't we all one person at a time now there are some success stories good let's hear them well, and it, it comes in the form of exactly what we're talking about. And by the way, Taryn, I didn't know we were talking about all this today. Uh, but Wait a minute. What did you um, think we were talking about? You had a plan? Did you have a script that I didn't get? <laughs> 
No, but based on our last conversations, I didn't think this is where we're going today. But yes, I know you don't have a script and you can't ask ahead of time. Those are the rules, folks, when you're on Trent's show and you can't talk on commercials. Um, but there, I think there are, we are waking up to what has happened. Uh, it seems that every election now, whether it's a fall election or spring election, there are some success stories of farmers, uh, even people, it doesn't, it can be people working on your farm that represent you at the, at the local level too. You know, it's, it's, we're all in this together, but uh, there have been some shifts in some really key boards in areas where there's been contentious issues, whether it was operational ordinances or roads. So we did get some good farmers on some boards. Uh, and my favorite example is Kiwanee County, Wisconsin. And if you are tuned in to activists, uh, environmental activists across the country, most Everyone has heard of Kiwani, Wisconsin. Oh my gosh, we have all these cattle. I think they have 18 CAFOs, which are large permitted farms. We have shallow bedrock. It's so horrible. People can't drink the water. There are activist groups that have made a living that fund themselves specifically on this quote unquote water quality issue because of livestock in Kiwani County, Wisconsin. Can we pick it up but, right there in the second half with but? Ooh, you got it. Kim Kim Brimmer. We'll be back with the second half. Roll out after this. Cliffhanger. Just want to quickly remind you, Certified Piedmontese offering you the plethora of protein. Go to CertifiedPiedmontese.com for the most tender beef you'll ever have. Welcome back, everyone. Trent lives alongside Kim Brimmer, who... Suddenly, I hear a little road noise during the break. Did you have to become mobile? I did. I did. I'm on the road now. You coming to Nebraska? <laughs> nope. No, I'm actually going to Nashville. It's the American Agri-Women Mid-Year Meeting, where we oh. do all of our fun policy work. I love it. Can't mm, yeah, well. What's the top of No, 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 no. Forget that. Yeah, now. we just had a cliffhanger. Yeah, Everyone but stayed. They listened said- to your ad because there was a huge <laughs> cliffhanger. <laughs> and you said, but, and we were talking about Kiwani County and water quality and how much we miss John Pagel. That's what you were talking about. Yes, absolutely. And uh, activists used to come to the land and water meetings and the county meetings. I spent a lot of time over there going, offering public comment. You always want to make sure that you're on the record. Uh, and some farmers got mad. A couple of them ran for the county board. They got on the board. They got on the land and water committee. One is now the chair of the committee. And guess what? The activist group no longer shows up consistently at the meetings because the meeting is run in a professional manner. You have three minutes and when your time is up, it's up. And that had never happened to them before because unfortunately, most local board meetings that I get to go to my 4-H leader who taught parliamentary procedure is rolling in her grave. Yeah. And it is difficult. Uh, I think people who get in those roles, you have to recognize that this group is years and years ahead of us, uh, that they're not going to be nice. Uh, they're going to try and make things personal. And they don't ever stop. 
So that's why most of the time people give in to them. Like, oh, if I just give them something, maybe they'll relax or stop showing up at the meeting or not be so tough on us. And that really is never the case. The strategy does not work. And this business of, well, if we can just... You know, if we can just come together on the issue and maybe they just don't quite understand agriculture, I am telling you, that is not the case. That is not their agenda. You cannot give them anything because it will never be enough. And it doesn't matter where I go. I'm sticking by that. I am so tired of that because we've been dealing with that, with that forever. And, and I'll just use the one glaring example as the cattleman sit down at the table with the World Wildlife Fund, and they say, well, we, we got to sit down at the table with them, and, and we got to give them something. Then they'll leave us alone. No, they never leave you alone. You open the door. Look, this, this is the same exact conversation we had in 2008 in California with Proposition 2. We're like, well, we'll just, we'll just give them this little bit of a, a, a cave, and then they'll leave us alone. We can keep our chickens in our cage and produce eggs like we should. No, now, now you can't even have chickens in a cage in Iowa and sell them to California because once the door is opened, it always gets like a bar, bar Barney Barger comes running in there every single time. You got it. We must stop that now. Draw a line in the sand. You cross this, you're toast. Mm hmm. Yes. And we're, we're just, we have not done a good job at it because we just think that everyone is nice and trustworthy. And that is not the case at all. And it started, I think, with a lot of our national groups, particularly a lot of our checkoff groups. They've sold us out. And now it's even happening at the town level, the local level, the county level. So what is the answer to it then? Just show up. You need to get on. You need to get on the the board and and make it so you're not the low hanging fruit. Yeah, you need to get on the board, and you need to be tough. Uh, And if you're not on the board, you need to pay attention to the agendas, and you should always go to the meetings, and you should always offer public comment. I don't know how many times I've gone to meetings, and people will show up because they're listening. Yep, I need to show up. I know that, Kim. But if there's an issue, they don't want to speak up. But you have to get that on the record. It doesn't have to be a big prepared speech. It doesn't have to be anything prepared. But you always, always, always need to be on the record. Uh, I can give you a great example of why this is important. So I don't know that we wrapped up Kiwanee County. Everything there is so much better. They're doing some water quality improvement, uh, working with the farmers, using legitimate science. Uh, And I'm super excited about all the things that they're doing. Now, back to why you need to show up for comments, because the other side is showing up for comments. Uh, I work with a farm right now that's doing a permit renewal, because when you have over a thousand animal units, you have a, a specific permit that you need from the state and it needs to get renewed every five years. And if five, it's written in our statute that if five people complain, you have to have a public hearing. So all the activists what? have figured this out. What? Five people, Yeah, five people call in and now you have to have a public hearing about your renewal. You can be the most beautiful farm as the one in my example today doing absolutely everything correctly. And you will sit through hours and hours and hours of this browbeating. And now because our state agencies are remote, it's on Zoom. So this happened, I think this, this particular one 
this hearing was a couple of months ago. And the agency, the state DNR, is still saying, oh, we're still going through the public comments. We had over 200 written ones come in from 10 states. 10 states? Yes. Trent? Kim, this is a major problem. I'm aware. <laughs> oh, I'm not. You know, you didn't need me to break that as a news flash. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's asinine. They should just eliminate those. If they're not Absolutely. from Wisconsin, they should not be included. I mean, just as an example. This ah, but week, they fit the narrative. They fit this, the narrative. This week, I've been suggesting that people in South Dakota contact Governor Kristi Nome. Because she campaigned on the promise of property rights, her number one objective. This week, we've learned that folks in South Dakota have, have been have received letters saying that if you don't comply with our plan to build a, a pipeline of death, otherwise known as a CO2 pipeline through your property, we're going to start our eminent domain process. I have been very specific. <clears throat> if you are not a South Dakota resident, do not call Christy Nome. If you're a South Dakota resident, call Christy Nome and say, you told us that property rights was the top of the of mine. You need you need to follow through on your word. Your campaign promises mean, need to mean something. But if you live in Minnesota, just across the line, you can see South Dakota. You can't call. You should not call. They should not even think about considering this, but they are looking for the, what they're trying to do. What you're, what I'm hearing you telling me this. I love how you plant seeds and I make in my own mind that I came up with this on my own, but Kim did all the planting of this seed. They're searching through trying to find the narrative they want as the end result. And then they're going to say, Hey, here's what the people said. That's exactly what's happening. The end always justifies the means from the other side, Trent. We mm -hmm. have to get better at it. That, that's just so problematic because I want to take it straight on. I, I don't want to be deceitful in any way, shape, or form like these folks are. <laughs> they don't have any rules. Unfettered. But, again, we come back to your example when enough people in a county like Kiwani County, when enough people start showing up and start voicing their opinion and you no longer are the lower, lower hanging fruit, they will go somewhere else. So that's just it's what are you going to do at the local level to keep this from happening? That's the moral of the story. Exactly. Now I battle these people in other counties, <laughs> but their home is Kiwani. But. Here's the thing, and this reminds me of when I started doing what I'm doing now. Uh, no, that's not an accurate statement. When I started doing things publicly, and I did have a one radio program, I was called by people in South Dakota, uh, Minnesota. I went over by Rochester, tried to help Bill Rocamp permit his dairy, if you remember. He's no longer in the dairy business, by the way. Uh, I came to Nebraska, uh, Iowa, went to Iowa a lot of places. I simply would show up and testify at public hearings about what is important for property rights and what's important for food security. And I know this is what you're experiencing, Kim. And it used to be that you would want to wait. For, in the early days, I would wait 
in Sac County, Iowa, you'd wait to see what the locals are going to say. Not not the locals, but the local activists. And all of a sudden, I figured out whether I'm in Dodge County, Minnesota, or I'm in uh, Weld County, Colorado, or I'm in uh, Sac County, Iowa, they're all saying the same thing. I'm like, how can these people, how can these local entities in these various parts of the country all say the same thing? So I started talking and digging. There was a, a, a website on how to shut down a CAFO, how to prevent a factory farm in your community. And so they would just go down the list of the line item of things that you're supposed to do in your public hearing. So I got a little smarter. I started going to public hearings and telling the county commissioners what they were about to hear and why it was a lie, because it's all orchestrated. And I know you're seeing the same exact thing now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, we are, unfortunately. Except now they're no longer just showing up at the public hearings. Now they're actually sitting on the boards. Right. Now they're the vote. Now they're the decision maker. And a lot of our boards are three-person boards or five. Two friends get on it together. You lose every time. This is why I haven't called you for a while. You're just like a Debbie Downer. You're going to move out of Wisconsin because there's no future in animal agriculture. And the activists are taking over the county levels. Kim, come on. Should I just off myself now or what? No, no, no future here. <laughs> Kim Bremer, well, we are going to take another break. There is a success story in Key. Yeah, there is a success story, Kiwani County. And they had the perfect poster child. That is why it's working in Kiwani County. The spirit of John Pagel lives forever. We're back with the last segment. Roll out, Kim Bremer, after this. Let's look into the world to protect the harvest, and it is that simple. Got a nice piece out today on free and fed. It's with Chase Sodder, field agronomist from Perkins County, Nebraska. We need to look more at soil health. Soil health is, is paramount to everything that we're talking about. Carbon sequestration, it's vital. You must have carbon sequestration. And the more organic matter you have in a soil, the more carbon sequestration that takes place. That is what contributes to a free and fed America, getting data. And with this planting season upon us, I am going to continue to walk through this system with the free and fed series that you can find on social media and at Protect the Harvest because people are finally asking questions about technology and food production in a way that is is beneficial and respectful. We're going to answer them. Protecttheharvest.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside Ken Bremer, focusing on the success stories of Kiwanee County, Wisconsin. Uh, American Agri Women, is that organization still surviving, thriving? What's going on with it? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, still have affiliates across the U.S. I'm excited to uh, see everyone. I'm getting text messages today from people all over Texas, California. Montana, New York, Maine. Uh, it's a, it, I think it's a great organization. So we have probably three large kind of national type meetings. We have a convention in the fall. This is our mid-year. It's our, our meeting that we do all of our policy planning and policy work before we 
go to the hill uh, in June. So it's great. Any chance you're going to see somebody named Heather Hampton Nodal? (laughs) Well, she would be our fearless leader, El Presidente. So, yes, I will be seeing Heather. Would you tell that chick from Illinois that I'm feeling a little left out because she doesn't call right, send smoke signals? It's like I don't even exist in her world anymore. Would you tell her I'm not happy with her? <laughs> I will tell her. Uh, in fact, I'll tell all of them. You probably would know most most of everyone there. Uh, this group, I was introduced to them at the state level probably 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And and at the time, and it still is today, there's a lot of older members. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to one of the first meetings and I was just, I was out of college and I was thinking, I don't know, I don't have a lot of time for organizations and I don't know about this group. But after going to one of the first meetings and listening to their stories and the things that they've done, uh, I realized this is exactly the right group because there's so much history to learn from i mean these these are the fighters uh these are the women who who fought uh, i believe it would have been late 60s about some some tax laws uh in washington dc because there was a time when women couldn't get they would not inherit their farms because they were women so if their husband died their farmer ranch was not theirs so they fought those kinds of things to get them changed. So it's always, I love getting all of their historical perspective and battles along the way. You know, this, this, the battles that we face every day, these are not new. I know. We just have to make sure that uh, we're in the fight. Yeah, it's funny that uh, we spend so much time talking about racism in the united states which i think is all manufactured to create chaos to be honest i'm not saying it doesn't exist it doesn't exist at the level they're trying to bring up but uh what about reparations for women because the blacks were were granted the right to vote long before you women were Mm -hmm. yes it's true of course it could be said that's when everything went to hell after you (laughs) but the women got the right to vote all right, ladies, it's uh, trentloose at gmail.com. <laughs> make, make sure you share that sentiment with the American Hacker women. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone know of any good speakers for convention? <laughs> we know one that's not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I think about some of these ladies, they just, they've been there, done that. And they're, and they're unfiltered. If they think it, they say it. They don't worry about what somebody thinks of them. That's what we got to have more of. Yes. And they're trying, you know, generally speaking, that's what's trying to get stifled, right? You can't offend anyone. Uh, you shouldn't speak up if you might offend someone. Everything is about protecting feelings and being inclusive. And that verbiage and language and gaslighting is coming from every corner of every messaging in everything we do. I mean, read the bottom of your emails that come from USDA. First of all, it's one of the biggest run-on sentences I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Who wrote that? But secondly, I just read the words and what they mean. 
you know, I talk about this a lot. When we talk, we hear our secretary you're talking about we need to transform our food system how many times have we heard those words transform our food system well words shape perception i hear that and i'm immediately offended and when i say that a lot of people will say well geez kim what's so offensive about that i mean who cares right we're talking about more conservation we're talking about doing the right thing we're just it's no big deal transforming our food system my answer to that is okay if you woke up next to someone this morning, your spouse, do you roll over and look at them and say, hey, honey, I really love you, but we need to transform you? No. Well, okay. You probably won't wake up in the same position tomorrow. Exactly. If you're thinking it, you're certainly not going to say it. We don't talk about transforming things we love. And I, for one, love American agriculture. We don't need to be modeled after any other form of agriculture in the world. We're the leaders in food production. We produce more using fewer resources than anyone else. Why in the world are we entertaining this discussion about transforming our food system? It makes me crazy. That was amazing. Uh, I do have something that's going to keep you fired up, though. Okay. Now, remember, Trent, there's seven words. FCC frowns on, so go. (laughs) For whatever reason, the stupidity of dairy checkoff, $1 million a year was paid to a guy named Tom Vilsack to run the Dairy Export Council Federation something. All right. Salary starts at $700,000 after he's the USDA's ag secretary under Obama. He spends four years while Trump's in the White House uh, taking dairy money to the tune of nearly $1 million annually as a salary. And I suppose last week you heard him say publicly that it's time we reduce the amount of cow's milk in our school systems and we need more plant-based – I'm not going to use the word he used – plant-based beverages. How's that set with you, Miss Dairy Princess? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I don't know. My mom taught me a long time that sometimes if you can't say anything nice, you shouldn't say anything at all. Didn't but I we don't just think say wanna... that we have I don't to start think... telling people what we I think know. and not worry about what other people say? Did we not just give that sermon? I was going to say, I don't think you want to sit in silence for the remainder of your show. So, that being said, <laughs> uh, I do not have a lot of faith uh, in our dairy checkoff. We try to challenge them around every corner. Uh, Farmers offer insights. They're rarely listened to. Uh, This whole net zero initiative is a mess. They're not working with Frank Mittliner as much as they should be, in my opinion. I mean, these are all Kim Bremer opinions, right? So you can take it for what it's worth, and it's Kim at aginspirations.com for all the hate mail. But uh, it's easy, Trent, to spend other people's money. You have an organization that has its largest checkoff, hundreds of millions of dollars to spend, uh, not really accountable to anyone. And it's easy to spend other people's money. And they will sell us out around every corner to 
make it look good or make the deal or make it appear that they're doing something also makes me crazy. Before the last five minutes, the la- the best segment of Ken Bremer on rollout was your first trip to the USDA during the Obama years while Tom Vilsack was the, the Secretary of Agriculture. And you were livid because you couldn't find something to drink in the cafeteria at the USDA. What was that again? I don't remember. Uh-huh. Couldn't get a glass of milk. <laughs> Could not get a glass of Easy, easy, Kim. Milk. That's changed, Trent. I don't I don't think it's changed. I don't know if you can still get a glass of milk at their cafeteria. I'm I'm not sure. Of I, any I also, fat level, by the way. Of any of fat any, level. Yeah any fat level. Uh, and I think I was also livid because they had gardens planted outside that were fallow ground. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was nothing really growing, but yes, it's our, it's our U S department of agriculture, but Trent, there's a long history of this, right? Who's the one person that's hung up on you in an interview? Only one in 23 years, and that person's name one was Tom. One in 23 years. And, and that who person's was name was Tom Vilsack. Correct. And it's so funny how we forget or we conveniently forget history or we don't want to fight about it. Uh, I remember talking to people when Tom Vilsack got hired at the U.S. Dairy Export Council about, are you sure this is a good idea? But, I mean, yes, I can be told the correct narrative that he has a lot of contacts because he served he's the longest standing cabinet member under the obama administration that's perfect i've sat through meetings with him i've had several conversations with him but let's not forget remember when his wife ran for congress in iowa against steve king steve king not a single agriculture organization funded her campaign in the state of iowa who funded her campaign trent the Humane Society of the United States. Correct. To the tune of, it was over a million dollars. Okay. She so, lost. Oh, in the interest of accuracy, they did not fund her campaign. They could not. They funded a campaign of their own for her and paid for ads and ran a campaign like it was their her campaign, but they, they actually ran their own campaign to get her elected. It doesn't change your point. But yeah, thank you for splitting that. Thank you for splitting that hair. That's what now, I do. I split hairs. Yes. On to 30 uh, seconds. Then Animal Welfare Division gets to, gets started in APHIS. And one would think that that would be uh, a person like a veterinarian that would lead that. But instead, Secretary Vilsack appoints Bernadette Juarez, who was an attorney for HSUS until a week before she got that appointment. Or she had been involved in cases that had actually sued the sued the government. So, you know, it's a tangled web and everyone is connected. And, and when it comes to politics, you can trust no one, which is why you need to get involved at your local level. And one final tidbit, when I was getting called to come into Iowa back in 2000 to help with the uh, attack on CAFOs, the attack was really coming from the governor of Iowa at the time. Would anybody like to guess what his name was? Well, I'll just tell you, in the interest of time, it was um, Bill Sack. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting food producers to food consumers. If you'd like to get in touch with Kim, go to aginspirations.com, send her an email. Make sure she can come and visit with you and speak to your group or whatever need you might have. All roads do lead to a roll route.
I just want to remind you that we have some pork supplies, and I'm telling you that today because tonight I'm going to be at Kitty's Roadhouse. Chuck Miller should have got the memo. He could have been there. Tonight we are going to be serving bacon burgers and broadcasting from Kitty's Roadhouse, Hastings, Nebraska.